Episode 2 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on August 14th, 2016. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This episode, I'll cover Game Update 4.7's early release. Was this a planned mistake? The producer's live stream held on August 11th. Spoiler alert, the word Kotet could be heard. And finally, speaking of spoilers, I'll have a full review of Chapter 16, The Battle of Audessin, also titled, This Doesn't Feel Like Winning... And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to Episode 2 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another terrific show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements. So just a reminder that this year marks the fifth anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic to celebrate the 87 million unique characters that have been created in the galaxy. I think last week I mentioned 87. It's obviously 87 million. Uh, Bioware is creating a SWOTOR character collage, and they want you to participate. So here's what you need to do. Take a close-up headshot of your in-game character, focus on the waist up, turn off all UI and text, Remain in your default pose. The recommended resolution is 1920 by 1080. And when you've got your image ready, you can email it to swotorsubmissions at swotor.com. And that's S-W-T-O-R submissions at S-W-T-O-R.com. There's no deadline for this, but why wait? Send in yours today. Also, the Tor Fashion team is... uh, TheTourFashion.com is teaming up with Hot Pants of the Old Republic, and they're running a companion fashion police contest that ends on August 31st, so you still have a couple more weeks to participate. The goal of the contest is to embarrass those companions that annoy, irritate, or downright anger you. There will be three winners, one from each of the following categories. Playable race female plus Nadia, so that's all female companions that are the same race as playable characters plus Nadia Grell. Uh, Playable race male, male companions that are the same races as playable characters, and this also will include Vector Hillis and Dr. Loken. And then the final category is non-playable races. Winners will receive an Amazon Cartel coin card worth 2,400 Cartel coins. Not bad. So head over to tor-fashion.com forward slash cfp-contest for the full list of rules, prizes, and how to enter and if you are following the dark versus light event here's the current update in the battle to acquire darth hexid and master ranos the light side has a slight lead at 52.01 percent with the dark side at 47.99 percent there's still a way to go but come on light siders let's pick up the pace and pull this one out because i don't know about you guys but i'm really hoping to get uh master ranos here i mean She's a female, just dual-wielding, defiant, vented lightsaber. So she looks really, really cool. We don't have any chist companions. She'd be the only one. So that's more or less why I'm pulling for her. So let's go ahead and make those light side choices, shall we? 
So that's all the announcements I have. Uh, let's slice the hollow net and review the news this week because there is plenty of it. And of course, the big news is game update 4.7. On Monday, Bioware launched a surprise attack on Arkin and released game update 4.7 early. Now, what happened was part of the patch was accidentally pushed out, and rather than attempt to roll things back, they just opted to release the rest of it, and we got to experience Chapter 16 early. So unless you had an op plan, this was mostly a nice surprise. I mean, I had planned to finish up some Dark vs. Light stuff and just ended up deferring that a day so I could go ahead and see Chapter 16 on a couple of the characters that I wanted. So for me, not a huge deal at all. Now, if you're a conspiracy theorist, then you might want to put on your tinfoil hats and argue that this was a quote-unquote planned mistake uh, to compete with Blizzard, who released their Demon Hunter class on Tuesday the, the 9th. I personally don't believe that, but I throw that out there. I think that would be just too much uh, thinking and coordination to make that happen. So I, I really do think this was one of those happy mistakes. Of course, the big ticket items were the pack viewer and Chapter 16, the Battle of Odessa, uh, both of which I'll talk about in just a bit. There were some other features that came with this update, and I'm not going to go through all of the patch notes, but there are a couple things that I feel are worth pointing out. So one of the notes, weapon tuning slots have been added to level 50 operation in PvP weapons. Now, if there is one feature that I've been underwhelmed by, it's weapon tuning. It's nice that they're adding slots to more weapons, but I've yet to try one of these. And it's mostly because the cost of these tunings, it's crazy. We're talking anywhere from 2 to $40 million to buy one from the GTN. And like the dyes, they're consumable. So if you're going to apply one to a weapon, you really have to love that weapon. So I like the idea of weapon tunings, but the cost doesn't seem to justify the feature right now. And it doesn't add enough to the game to make me care about it. So the effort, cost, and reward are just way out of balance here. I'm not sure what Bioware can do to kind of make these more common. Um, but they're cool, but they're very, very expensive. And as you all know from last week, I love my credits. Uh, players can now use the companion locator terminal in the Alliance base camp to regain companions, which became unavailable due to the Fallen Empire storyline. You must complete Chapter 16 before this option is available, and it should be noted that the terminal does not allow you to regain companions, which were guests such as Darth Mar. Well, this is great. I love that you can get these story companions back. I absolutely love it. I mean, on the one hand... It seems like it diminishes the meaningful choices that you make. Uh, your decisions feel less permanent. But on the other hand, it gives you the freedom to make the story choices that you want because you won't be punished for it. I mean, there should be consequences to the direction of the story, right, when you make these choices. But it shouldn't have a negative impact on your game experience. And you should be able to raise the influence on your companions without fear of losing them, right? Because it seems strange to plot a companion that's maybe dead or gone, you're not required to do it. You don't even have to reclaim them, but it's an option that's available to you, and it's kind of the best of both worlds here. As I said, I mean, there's a cost in both credits and time associated with companions, certainly raising their influence, and there's a lot of value uh, in there. So being able to get them back is great. Now, I've always liked the idea of being able to maintain them for whether you want to run heroics 
or crew skills or whatever it is you're doing, even the Eternal Championship. But then once you hop in the story, they're gone and you can't use them any longer. So this is this is a good change. And if you complete Chapter 16, you'll be able to get back some of those companions that you've lost. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, a new vendor has been at, out added outside the Eternal Championship. And this new vendor sells 220 rating items for Eternal Championship trophies. Now, here's another thing that I like. The gear, of course, is BOP, and it's not moddable, but the currency to buy it is legacy-bound. And this is a nice way to gear up some alts. We're getting to the end of this expansion, so it's a nice way to get some better gear for some of those other tunes that you don't run through operations. Maybe you're not doing hard mode stuff. You're just doing some story mode stuff. Whatever. Maybe you're doing nothing with them. But... Uh, it's a good way to get them some decent gear. Uh, and it's not cheap. I mean, the costs, I think, are around 18 comms. I'll call them comms per item. Uh, so if you're, But if you were looking for a reason to keep running the Eternal Championship, here you go. So just another option to kind of gear up some of those extra tunes that we have. And, you know, of course, the Dark versus Light event is encouraging us to create characters. Uh, let's see. And one final patch note. Uh, they increased the credit reward amount for all heroic missions. Yay! Uh, I don't remember what these paid previously. and I'm assuming here that the amounts were just reverted back to their pre-nerf levels, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I did notice that for a level 65 tune, the credit reward is around 18k per quest. That's 18,000 per quest. And this just seems higher than uh, what I remember uh, but anyway, the bottom line, they're lucrative once again. And I remember doing all of these in one day and one character in between the bonus quest, the quest rewards, items that you looted and then uh, sold to a vendor. I think I got close to $3 million for doing an entire set of these heroics. So, I mean, it's a lot, right? They're a grind and they're not all that much fun. But they are a way to gain a bunch of credits, and if you can do them on multiple tunes, you know, that's a lot of income coming in. I think that's a big part of why we saw this inflation, and obviously it's why they wanted to nerf it, because, right, some of those quests are fast, they take very little time, and some of them take longer. And so if you don't really care about what kind of uh, supply crate you're getting, then you can just target these quick hits and run them on all your tunes, and yeah, you're, you're raking in uh, some, some credits there. So, well, that's it for the fat uh, for the 4.7 patch notes. Uh, on August 11th, Bioware held a producer's live stream. It was about 30 minutes long, and they covered a bunch of stuff. So they talked about the new pack opening experience. They're looking for some feedback, and they're looking for places to improve it. Uh, they said the big complaint from players is that it takes too long to open up packs. Uh, they did say you could spacebar through the animation. I played with it a little bit, opening some DVL packs that I earned through achievements. I didn't think it was too slow, and I kind of like the anticipation of seeing, waiting to see what I'm going to get. I had 30 packs to open, and I tried to have fun with it. I'd reveal items one at a time. I'd start with the left and then, then the right, and if I got something good, I'd stay with that. If not, I would try opening the one on the right and then the one on the left, uh, if that yielded a bad result, then I'd hit the reveal all button. Uh, at any rate, it's a far cry better than hearing people pop these open all over the fleet and the Destin in any number of public places. And uh, oh, by the way, 
I was kind of hoping that it might work with those supply crates that you, you would get from turning into that you turn into Hilo Viz and Dr. Ogrub, etc. Um, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to, but I was hopeful it might. And it doesn't. It doesn't work with those things. It's just for packs that you get from either the Dark Three Light or the Cartel Market. Uh, the item stash is nice, and overall, I think it's fine. And, and you know, as a feature, this just isn't something that's going to consume a lot of my game time. I don't deal with packs and the cartel mar- cartel market all that much. So, to be honest with you, I, I really don't have a lot to say on this feature. It's 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 fine for what it is. Honestly, you know, it doesn't really fix the type of items you get from the packs and really that's if i had to complain about packs in any way it's like i never seem to get anything that i want and the dark versus light was no exception i'll probably save that for another show um but very mixed reaction to the contents of those packs all right kotet knights of the eternal throne the upcoming expansion so they spent some time talking about knights of the eternal throne as expected, they didn't have any new details about the expansion. What they did say is that they're planning the big Kotet info dump at New York Comic Con. They're doing a cantina tour there, which will be held in early October. So either October 5th or 6th is when we'll get a lot of details on Kotet. So I would not expect to hear much about it prior to that. They said that PvP ranked Season 7 will end with the launch of Kotet and the DVL, the Dark vs. Light event, will end approximately one to two weeks prior to Kotet's launch. They said they had to give themselves some time to sort out all the rewards and so forth. I don't know that I quite understand that. I think that, figure that would all be automated, right? You know, the event ends and poof, you get emailed all the stuff that you earned. Anyway. But they wanted it to end, that that event will end one to two weeks prior to the launch of Kotet. So reading between the lines, I would expect the earliest that Kotet will arrive is October 25th. But more likely, I expect it will drop in early November, right? Because they're going to do this launch the first week of October, not launch, they're going to do this info dump. And then, you know, the following week, uh, you know, if you sort of go back two weeks, one to two weeks uh, prior to the 25th, is almost immediately after the Cantina Tour in New York, which means they pretty much have to end the Dark versus Light event as soon as that Cantina Tour ended, which I think is too su- too too soon. I think they want to give people a little bit more warning than that about when the event is going to end. So... I'm thinking early November for for the launch. But uh, let me know what your thoughts. Send me an email. When do you think uh, Knights of the Eternal Throne is going to come? Are we going to see it in October? Will it be November? Will it be later than November? They did say they were working on group content. And they did not say anything more than that. And we were told this before, by the way. So what exactly that means is not clear. It could be an operation. But who knows? I talked a little bit about this in episode one and my thought was if they're planning an operation they should just come out and say it even if it's not going to be available at launch because that's the number one thing that people want um that said i will say this assuming that there is a level cap increase in kotet to say level 70 
and they're going to introduce a new tier of gear that goes beyond the 224 item rating. If they expect players to run EV, KP, EC, etc. to get all of that new gear, I think that's a really big ask. Will people hold their noses and run the old content again to get the new gear? Sure, but I think even the most loyal players will not be happy with that prospect. The staleness of that content is why my ops team is on hiatus right now. We got the gear we needed and we're tired of running the same old, same old. People just stopped showing up. So the bottom line here is there needs to be something fresh uh, for us to do as a group for Endgame when Knights of the Eternal Throne launches. Because otherwise I think people are just going to become completely uh, dissatisfied with the game as a whole. And I don't care how good the story is. Um, I don't think it will be enough to keep players engaged and and playing every day. So hopefully they recognize that over at BioWare and we'll see a brand new operation or, or just something. It doesn't have to be an operation, but it has to be fun engaging and something that you know friends can get together and you know spend a night or two each week uh doing so i think you know we'll have to wait and see october 5th 6th right around there new york comic-con is when we'll get the big info dump and we will see what bioware has in store for knights of the eternal throne so that's it for the producers live stream that was held on august 11th so now i want to get into chapter 16 the Battle of Odessa, the final chapter of Knights of the Fallen Empire. And I will warn you now, if you have not played the chapter, I am going to get into details of the story and give my opinions about things. And it is going to be spoiler heavy. I'm not even going to try and be spoiler free here. So this is the final segment of the podcast this week. Uh, the only thing after uh, this segment is going to be the outro, saying goodbye and see you next time. So if you haven't played Chapter 16, now's a good time to, to stop the recording and thank you, and we'll see you next week. For those of you that are here, let's uh, kind of roll up our sleeves and let's dive into Chapter 16, The Battle of Odessa, or as I like to call it, This Doesn't Feel Like Winning. Overall, I liked it. I liked. There was a lot of things that I liked about it. Um, mechanically, I thought it was was good. The pace was good. I didn't really feel like there was just too much trash. They gave you some items you could pick up, things like turrets and so forth, which were which were fun, which made killing things a little bit easier, a little bit faster. You know, you got to use the extra action bar. I thought the pace moved at a pretty good clip. Uh, overall, the story was pretty good, um, but I didn't like everything about it, right? And uh, let's just talk about uh, a couple of things here. So, so let me talk about one thing that I liked going into this chapter. Knew there was a lot of things that were unresolved, right? And it didn't seem likely that they were going to get resolved. So I wasn't surprised that they didn't resolve any number of things. Things such as, you know, what is the gravestone? Who built it? Where did it come from? What's with the room with the monolith? Uh, Valkorian, what does he want with us? What is his game and what makes us so special? That was one of the big questions lingering. You know, how do we get Scorpio off the throne? How do we get Valen? I mean, how do we deal with Valen and Arkan? What's going on with all of this? And there was just a lot to wrap up. 
So I'm glad they didn't try and wrap up everything, right? Because I think that would have been worse than, than the way it actually ended up. I think that um, given the length of these chapters, and you know, I figured chapter 16 would be a, be a similar length to, to what they had before, that if they tried to, to wrap up everything and tie up all the loose ends, it would have felt very, very rushed. And I think that would have been more unsatisfying than leaving all the loose ends untied that they did, which I thought was too many. There were too many loose ends, and I think that was that was the big gripe, right? That that was gripe number one. Because we did face off against Arkin, and at, at the end of it, I just kind of felt like this: Arkin is still alive, Valen is still around. Scorpio's still around. Valcorian is still around. He shows up at the very end, right? So we don't know. We didn't find anything. We didn't find anything more about the gravestone. Arkin still out there as a threat, even though we we kicked his tail. And Valen is sitting on the throne now, and she's a threat. And the Eternal Three is even Eternal Fleet is even more dangerous because now the Gemini droids have this free will. They can think and they can do things on their own. So those that have chosen to stick around and serve Balin in the Eternal Empire are even more dangerous than they were before. I'm, and I'm fine with those types of things, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. But the ending didn't really sort of corroborate that, at least the tone of the ending. Because you, you, you finish all this, you get back to Odessa and everyone is cheering and, and, and celebrating. I mean, look... We just spent almost a year playing a game of Musical Thrones and everyone on Odessa is celebrating like we just hit the Kingpin's jackpot at the Star Cluster Casino. I mean, I personally felt like Yoda at the end of Attack of the Clones and he's going, you know, victory. Victory, you say. Master Obi-Wan, not victory. The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. And that's the way I felt. You know, begun the throne war has. And that's why I felt. This was not a victory. In fact, we're in much worse shape than when we started. And that was okay. I mean, and there were some conversation options to support that line of thinking, but but not enough to suit my taste. So I just felt like there there should have been less celebration and more like, oh my God, we really screwed the pooch here because we've made very little ground. I mean, they tried to uh, say, hey, more people are rallying to the cause because they see that the uh, Zakul, the Eternal Empire, is not this invincible thing. All right, that's fine. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But I don't know. I would have liked it if Arkin were out of the picture. I think that would have made things just a little bit better. The fact that I, I really wanted Arkin to die. And there's this one moment where you have a chance to take a shot at the ship. And I was hoping we'd blow it up. But then there was also one of the options was to just let it go. So I kind of knew that even if we shot it, tried to shoot it down, probably wasn't going to happen. I was hoping it would. But no, he escapes no matter what. And... I guess someone really wanted Arkin to come back uh, in Knights of the Eternal Throne. And not only is he going to come back, right? I mean, it, you can see where this is headed. He's going to get redeemed, and he's going to become our ally. Who knows? We may even get him as a companion in Knights of the Eternal Throne. But obviously, I think that's where the where the story is headed. So we're going to become friends with him, and we're going to use his help to either oust Valen or, and or help defeat Valkorion. I think that's what's going to happen. And I'm not sure that I'm all that excited about that as an option, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
The other thing that was very disappointing was the weapon, right? So if you remember chapter 12, Visions in the Dark, that whole thing was centered around us running through the wilds of Odessin. And at the end of it, with the help of Darth Maul and Satil Shan, we forged this weapon. This is uh, our Excalibur. We, they send us on this ridiculous scavenger hunt to gather all the parts. Why, they just could give us the parts. Who knows? But I guess tests are tests. <laughs> um, but we forged this weapon. And as I said, this is like our Excalibur. And mechanically, sure, we knew it was just going to give you, depending on your choice, you'd probably have a couple abilities on the extra action bar, which is exactly, exactly what happened. And and that's fine, right? No problem. No problem with that. Although having new abilities pop up when you're in the middle of a boss fight, I'm not a big fan of that because, you know, you have to stop. You have to try and read the tooltips, figure out what they are, and then figure out how to use them. So I'm not a big fan of that. But so the weapon gives you these extra abilities. And by the way, you don't even have to use it, right? It's optional. It's completely optional. In fact, on one of my characters that I ran through this, I didn't even bother to equip the weapon. And it didn't matter one bit. There's no discussion about the weapon. There's nothing. It's just completely irrelevant. And even if you do use it, about halfway through the fight, you find this shield sitting on the ground. And then you pick up the shield and then basically use that to complete the rest of the fight. And it's really cool. I love the shield. Absolutely love the shield and love this mechanic. And you use it to block some force attacks. You charge up the shield and then you basically shield bash Archon. And I loved the end of the fight where Archon is standing back on this platform. You're way on the other side of the room. And you're slowly using your shield to block his abilities and inching your way towards him the full brunt of his fury is coming down on you and then you make your way up to him and then boom one final blow one final shield bash and you win the fight it's a wonderful moment it's a wonderful moment but it came from this shield and it didn't come from this weapon and the shield totally stole the weapon's thunder i mean imagine if you're watching imagine the force awakens and you get to that final scene where Ray is fighting Kylo Ren and things are getting tense and you're getting to the end. And imagine if towards the end of that, out of the forest, out of the trees comes Luke Skywalker with his lightsaber ablaze to kind of finish off Kylo Ren and and the fight. And like that would have been kind of cool, but it totally would have overshadowed Ray and just kind of ruined the whole thing. And that's kind of what I feel like this shield was. This shield was like Luke Skywalker coming out of the trees and finishing off Kylo Ren instead of Rey. And so I just felt like the weapon was a big letdown and a big disappointment. And it wasn't even that pretty. So that's my probably big complaint, one of my big complaints with Chapter 16, the Battle of Odessin. Uh, you know, two big things. I like the story. I like the story. I, I enjoyed Knights of the Fallen Empire. It's kept me engaged in playing for the better part of a year. We're not going to have to wait that long for the story to continue. So all that's good. I just would have liked to have maybe one or two things wrapped up at the end of this chapter. And I think getting Archon out of the picture might have been a, a better way to go, perhaps. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit more involvement from Valkorian to find out what his deal is and what he wants with us, but we're going to have to wait for that. And by the way, in episode one, if you listen to that, I kind of get laid out this theory where I said, 
that he was our father or that at the very least we were his progeny. And I thought that was going to be sort of the big reveal. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, but I'm not ruling that out yet. I'm totally not ruling that out. And the fact that when we go to fa- face Archon and Valkorion wasn't there, and yet we still had some of the same abilities and things and powers had grown, just like Valkorion had, I'm not, I think that's all us. I'm not sure that that's Valkorion you know, influence on us. I think that's 100% Outlander right there. And we will absolutely find that out, I guess, in Knights of the Eternal Throne. Oh, and one final thing that I wanted to add real quick. Exploding barrels. Oh my god, I am a huge fan of exploding barrels in this game. Not the cryo ones, not the gas ones, and not the electrical ones, although they're kind of neat, but the splody ones. I never pass up an opportunity to set those off. And Arkin's flagship is loaded with them, just loaded with exploding barrels, and I set them all off on every single character that I play, even if there's not an NPC remotely close to one of them. So whoever thought about putting all those splody barrels on Arkin's flagship, thank you very much. Big win in my book. So... With that, I'm starting to hear the music here, so that can mean only one thing. You've managed to survive another half hour listening to Episode 2 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I am your host, Ted, and as always, I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can listen to the show directly from the show site, which is now SotorPodcast.com. We also have an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us a tweet, tweet any questions you have to at sotorpodcast, and be sure to follow us on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. Well, tune in next week for episode three, and remember the Sith Code, cake is a lie.